I'm Ed Sutter. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, the old, the old guy on staff now. Um, but based on the authority that has been invested in me, I hereby, Ed Sutter, being of sound mind and body, even though some people may want to debate that, hereby declare this month of December 2021 Joy Awareness Month. May you find joy in the nooks and crannies of your life. When you celebrate Christmas or a birthday and the family gathers around, when you get recognized at school or at work for outstanding achievement, may you find joy. When the walls of your house creep in on you because you have not left your home for a week due to family sickness, when you did not get a job that you applied for, or when a pandemic strikes, may you find joy. December is Joy Awareness Month. So remember our slogan, enjoy. Uh, for this Christmas season, we're starting our, our Christmas focus with this uh, series that we called He Came. And each speaker who comes and will uh, preach from the scriptures will respond biblically to a way to respond to he came for what reasons that he has come. Ultimately, he came to reveal God and to reconcile the world to God so that we can live with him in heaven in his kingdom forever. And often when we receive Jesus Christ so that we are made right and we can... Uh, enjoy this future home, we forget that this good news, this gospel, is not just for the future, but it's for today as well. When we talk about the gospel around here, sometimes you will hear us say, you know, the gospel doesn't just change the future, the gospel changes everything. The gospel, the good news, is not just about the future, but it's about for us today. With that said, and I being the first speaker in our series, he came, I'm completing it by saying he came to bring good news of great joy. Let's read our scripture that I'm going to share from, Luke 2, 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When somebody tells you that they have, I have some good news for you 
and I have some bad news for you. And then they will say, which do you want first? So take a poll. How many of you out there want the good news first? Raise your hand. Let me see the good news people. Oh, my goodness. Okay, put your hands down. The rest of you, I assume, are bad news. But let me see whether you will declare bad news. for. Oh, wow. And how many of those are ambivalent or, or, no, you don't have to raise your hand. Can you imagine the angels coming and saying to the shepherds, you know, I, I have bad news of great gloom. And I have good news of great joy. Which do you want first? They only have good news. They only have good news of great joy. God is the God of good news with great joy. No bad news. Due to humanity's rebellion towards God, there is bad news in this world. But don't let that bad news diffuse the light of good news, of great joy that comes from God. I think in life, in life, if there was only one choice that we had, and we could choose between bad news of gloom or good news of great joy, every one of us would choose good news of great joy. I believe that. However, I think it's ironic when we watch the evening news, we are drawn to bad news over good news. We are drawn to the bad news, the riots, the accidents, the wars, the hurricanes, the corruption of leaders, athletes that are caught using performance-enhancing drugs, the car wrecks. Bad news sells. We are so drawn to bad news that we are entertained by it, and so there's a whole category, genre of movies called disaster movies. Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, Twister, Joss. Those were the ones from my uh, years growing up. I don't know what they are today. There are documentaries on TV that try to uncover, discover the reason that bad news such as plane crashes and avalanches and earthquakes and flooding have occurred. We are drawn to bad news. On one side, we all want good news of great joy, but we are drawn to bad news. What is challenging is not that bad news gets our attention, but how it drowns out good news of great joy. The steady diet of bad news that we are fed almost makes uh, good news sound kind of boring. The steady diet of bad news can overwhelm and it can create a sense that there is really there is really very little good news. 
when perhaps what is true is that good news is most common. And we take it for granted. Good news goes unnoticed. Um, one fellow I like to read, he's passed away. Some of you will know the name Andy Rooney. He was a commentator, usually on 60 Minutes would end the show. He was an essayist, uh, would do some writing. And, and I always get a chuckle and a smile reading what one writing he has called Good News. And I want to share it with you. All of us who work in television news are constantly being accused of emphasizing the negative side of everything. We get letters saying we never cover a story unless something terrible happens. Tonight, we put together a little news broadcast to give you an idea how it would look if you had it your way. I'm here by the Mississippi. It's raining, but the rain is not overflowing its banks. As a matter of fact, it doesn't look to me as though there's any danger of a flood whatsoever. People are not piling up sandbags. No one has been forced to evacuate his home. And the governor has not asked that this be declared a federal disaster area. O'Hare Airport in Chicago is one of the nation's busiest at 11 a.m., a jet aircraft with 168 passengers and 10 crew members on board started down the long runway. The plane headed for London, took off without incident. It landed without incident, too. Everyone on board is now in London. For a report from New York City, we take you to the correspondent standing in front of the plaza, one of New York's most luxurious hotels. This is the plaza, one of the New York's luxurious hotels. CBS News has learned that last evening, after a night on the town, the Shah of Frankenpan and his semi-beautiful wife re returned to the hotel suite after depositing more than a million dollars worth of jewelry in the hotel safe. The jewels included the famous Kuch Bahar diamond. This morning when the safe was opened, all the jewelry, including the famous Kuch Bahar diamond, was right there where they left it. <laughs> In Florida, the orange crop was hit by another night of average weather. The oranges just hung in there and grew. <laughs> in Detroit, a General Motors spokesman announced today that more than 174,000 Chevrolets made in the late fall of 1974 would not be recalled. They are all perfect. At 11.30 this evening, CBS News will present a special report listing the serial numbers of those cars. <laughs> and if that's what you want to hear, that's the way it is. Good evening. But yet, it's the bad news. It's the bad news that we are drawn to that entertains. 
Good news, it is so common, we laugh at it when we hear it. Bad news shouts from the rooftops, easily getting our attention, while good news comes quietly, inconspicuously, often unnoticed. Sometimes we are so conditioned by bad news that when we hear good news, we dismiss it. We, we, when we hear good news, uh, some, sometimes we think it's too good to be true. It can't possibly be true. We have a great example of this in Luke 24, verse 41. I just uh, amazed at, at, at this scene here where Jesus Christ, he's resurrected. The ladies have already gone to the tomb and saw the empty tomb. Peter runs there on the road to Emmaus. And then after on the road to Emmaus, Jesus Christ shows himself to his disciples. And this verse here we read in Luke 24, 41. And while they still, Jesus Christ is there with them. And while they still did not believe it, why could they not believe it? Because of joy. Because of amazement. One commentator uh, translated it, they were overjoyed. In other words, it was too good to be true. Has the disproportionate amount of loudness of bad news made it difficult for you to detect good news? Has all the bad news uh, so come that this news of eternal life, that this is not the end, but you need to respond to a Savior? Is it too good to be true? That you have a hard time believing it? Could it be if our spiritual eyes are open to detect good news of great joy, it would reduce the volume of the bad news of gloom? So today, to increase our ability to detect good news of great joy, for today, I want to make three observations about the shepherds in this birth announcement that if we apply ourselves to it, I think we will be surprised by the joy that is around us. The joy in God that's around us. However, before I, I do, I need to make sure we share a definition of joy. We got to know what we're looking for. So I, I took the definition right from the video that we saw earlier. It's an attitude, not because of circumstances, but because of their hope, our hope in God's love and promise. It's an attitude. And it's rooted, that attitude is informed by hope that's in God. It's a decision. Christian joy is a decision based in the power of Jesus' own life and love. There's a lot 
just within this definition that we could spend time on, but let's just let the definition stand for itself and move on to the three observations from the birth announcement to the shepherds. That again, if we apply these same to our lives, rather than being dominated by bad news, maybe we'll start to see good news around us. The first one is a humble heart. Uh, the, sh the shepherds, I see, had humble hearts. And I take this because of the role that they had in their society. It's only humble hearts that will hear the good news of great joy, such in, in the case of the birth announcement. Yes, you know, the news comes dramatically to the shepherds because of the messengers. But it comes to these lowly shepherds who were not shepherds. That role in society, agrarian society, was not highly esteemed. They weren't the upper class of their society. They were lowly. They probably had very meager land ownings. And in fact, some would say that these particular shepherds that the message went to they were working the graveyard shift. That quite likely the owners would go home for the night and would hire out shepherds to just tend during the nighttime. If you're going to make a, a dramatic announcement, these were not the folks that you would choose. They were not the affluent of society. They did not have the trade skills, did not have the money. They, weren't the, they were not the philosophers that might get promoted to civilian leadership in the community. But these were the folks, the humble, those who have humility. They allow them to see and hear joy in places that you never knew existed before. Uh, joy that comes to humble people, often inconspicuously, a nighttime, out in the field. In a stable, in a manger, a baby. Everything in God's economy and this whole message is saturated with humility. It's of such a high value, a high value. Humility will start allowing you to see and hear good news of great joy in the halls at school, in your home, at work, at a store. Because regardless of circumstances, your hope is anchored in Jesus Christ and the promises of God. When humble of heart, you will be surprised when and where joy comes. One uh, author I enjoy, he always uh, gives me something to think about, Henry Nguyen. 
writes about the unlikely places that joy may all of a sudden, uh, you'll notice it. The great challenge of faith is to be surprised by joy. I remember sitting at a dinner table with friends discussing the economic depression of the country. We kept throwing out statistics that make us increasingly convinced that things could only get worse. Then suddenly, the four-year-old son of one of my friends opened the door, ran into his father and said, Look, Daddy, look! I found a kitten in the yard. Look! Isn't she cute? While showing the kitten to his father, the little boy stroked the kitten with his hands and held it against his face. All at once, everything changed. The little boy and his kitten became the center of attention. There were smiles, strokes, and many tender words. We were surprised by joy. God became a little child in the midst of a violent world. Are we surprised by joy? Or do we keep saying how nice and sweet? But the reality is different. What if the child reveals to us what is really real? Humble hearts, cultivating humility. The other thing we see from the shepherds, the second thing is what I call listening ears. See, these uh, shepherds, they lived in a culture that were polytheistic. They had many gods. They had major gods and minor gods. They were always in constant fear whether they were pleasing the gods or not. Have they done enough to appease the gods so that harm would not come to their crops or their livestock? Or that the rains might come? Notice at first from our scripture, at first they are terrified by the angels. They are gripped by fear, terror. And fear, I think we would all, uh, if we put ourselves in that position, is very understandable. This God, though, we have revelation as to the nature and the character of this God when the angel tells him, do not be afraid. He is clarifying their understanding of this God that has sent this child. This God, unlike the gods of your culture, this God is not a God of fear and terror, but he is a God of good news with great joy. You have to think rightly. You have to listen and then think rightly about this God of Scripture. Shepherds had to do an adjustment with their understanding that this God is not a God of terror. Perhaps that is what you need to do with your own concept or understanding of God. 
uh, throughout Scripture, whenever God has manifested himself, there is this instant knee-jerk reaction of fear. We certainly, we saw it with Jacob when he encounters God in a dream. And he wakes up and it tells us that he was afraid. Moses, when he's at Mount Sinai and he goes up on the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments, there was trembling and fear. Adam himself, Adam and Eve, when he sins, he hides out of fear. We need to understand this God is not a God of fear and terror, but of good news and great joy. God is to be respected, reverenced. Thoughts of God should prompt breathless amazement, being speechless, sense of overwhelmness by his grandeur. There should be a solemn soberness towards God, but not fear or terror as we commonly think of it or as we experience that emotion. It could be your fear and terror of God is blinding you to good news of great joy. Perhaps you have a skewed view of God for a variety of reasons that is preventing you to see the good news of great joy in Him. Your fear and terror towards God is real. But it's about you, not about God. Your fear of God is saying something about you. If you have an unhealthy fear of God, I encourage you, go back and read. We, we just finished a series, Gentle and Lowly. And if you are not with us, your guests... We also, uh, it was really the heart of Christ, but it was inspired from a book, Gentle and Lowly, and we made them free, and there's some still out there on the table, so if you're a guest here, you certainly can pick one up, but if you think you have an unhealthy fear of God, go back and read chapter 14. That's the one that gripped me, the God of mercy. Go back and read chapter 14. So the, the shepherd, uh, you, know, you know, this sounds too good to be true. Um, they get over their fear and they say, let's go check it out. Uh, I really like these shepherds. I mean, undoubtedly, um, in their humility, they're still exercising a great deal of wisdom. They want to check it out for themselves. It's not a hand-me-down religion. I got to check it out for myself. They may have been besieged by doubt, but doubt's a good thing. It prompts them to go and say, let's see for ourselves, which any person should do for a truth claim. Doubt is not a problem to faith. Doubt is not a bad thing. Ambivalence is a bad thing. 
not caring enough to check out the evidence for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Being ambivalent toward God or holding on to false beliefs of God will rob you of joy. And the last thing is their sincerity of worship. The shepherds went to Bethlehem. They check it out and we see their response down in verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they heard and seen which were just as they have been told. Now here's the significant thing. The shepherds come away after going to see for themselves, worshiping God. They don't come away worshiping joy. They come, come away not worshiping an emotional state that I, I think most of us prefer to live in. They come away worshiping the joy giver, God himself. When it comes to detecting joy today, we must understand that certain emotions we associate with joy, such as happiness and pleasure, they are important and vital to Christian joy. But they are only a byproduct or a fruit of worshiping the real thing, God. Some of us make this emotional state an idol. And we pursue it and we worship it as the ultimate thing. And that's where we go askew. We certainly see this throughout uh, the scripture, James 1, that uh, Polly referenced earlier. When you face various trials, it doesn't say if, you're going to. Life has good news and it does have bad news. Just don't be dominated by bad news. There will be bad news that comes to you. Count it all joy. Uh, you're not going to have this joy that we all prefer to live in of euphoria. But it gives us a clue that if you stay focused, trials and Count it all joy because it says it will bring about perseverance and perseverance will bring about completeness and maturity. That's where you find joy, that there's this process going on in your life bringing you to this point of persevering to become complete and whole in Christ. And in that, even though it's painful at the time, you can have joy because there is a work going on inside of you. Persevere. Feel the pain of it. On one hand, but joy because God values you and he's still working in you. It's important that we have clarity of what joy is and what it is not. 
because we get these false expectations or we get these wrong expectations uh, about what the Christian life is and this thing we call Christian joy. And then when it doesn't come about as we perceive it, we get disappointed with God. And we might give up. Joy does not solve your problem. But it helps you go through them with that right attitude. That God will help you go through them. It's important that we have clarity what joy is and what is not. I, I, I thought of this analogy. Uh, um, and why, why it's so important that you spend some time even with this definition. And I'm going to put it on the screen here in a little bit. But the analogy, say that uh, my wife, Connie, she calls me here at the office and says, Hey, Ed, on the way home, I want you to pick up a gallon of milk. Being the great husband I am, I say, you will do, honey. I love stopping at the store and buying one thing. (laughs) On my way home, I stop. I go into Safeway. But then I forget, what was it she wanted me to get? What, what was that I was looking for? Uh, there, and you go in the safe way and you may get paralyzed by all the items that are there and you're trying to remember, which one was it? I can't remember. I, I can't remember. But when I go to exit, I see some freshly baked jumbo cookies. And so I buy them. Uh, The um, application here, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're going to end up with the wrong thing. You're going to end up with a joy substitute. Put the cookies away. You're going to end up with a joy substitute. If if you're looking for this uh, emotional state, Uh, um, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, You're going to be apt to give up on this thing we call the Christian life because you had unrealistic expectations. You thought if you came to Christ, you would get the life that you wanted. The prize of the Christian life is God himself. You keep your focus there, and then all sorts of fruit comes to you. I think it was C.S. Lewis. uh, uh, He he said, pursue uh, the, um, rather than, some of us will settle for the scent of the rose, the smell of the rose, rather than the flower itself. Don't settle for less. Another example would be the sun. Some will settle for the beam, the ray of the sun on them, rather than the originator, the sun itself. And so once again, that definition of joy that we saw, you know, there's over 400 references to joy in Scripture. So to try to take those and condense it into a definition, um, 
This is what, uh, again, from our video that I'm working from, it's an attitude not because of circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promises. It's focused on God and the reliability as revealed in Scripture that you can be anchored and focused there. Christian joy is a profound decision based in the power of Jesus' own life and love. Joy and happiness are all good things and are characteristic of the Christian life. These, don't misunderstand, these are important. The challenge is not in wanting joy and happiness and pleasure, but it's a sin when those things become ultimate and they displace God himself. It's at that point we are pursuing the scent of the rose and not the rose. When good things become ultimate, they become an idol. Worshiping joy, worshiping joy, making joy the ultimate thing or this emotional state, what we think is joy, is like grasping for soap bubbles in the air and you grab them and they're gone. But if you focus on God, then all of a sudden you're amazed at really all the bubbles or all the blessings, all the ways that God is manifesting, manifest, manifesting himself today. If you worship the joy giver, God alone, then you start to see joy all around you. You realize you do not have to grasp for them because God is generous. C.S. Lewis has done as much uh, to help understand this idea of Christian joy and he makes this comment uh, in his book, Surprised by Joy. It really is this joy, and he uh, talks about joy as a desire or a longing. That joy, that state that sometimes we think, is only a signpost pointing to something else. Pointing to the joy giver. So for him, joy took him to God and eventually to Jesus Christ. But he makes this statement, all joy reminds. Joy just simply reminds. It's never a possession. Always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. So December is Joy Awareness Month. Not by focusing on joy, but instead by using humility, by listening to gain clarity of our understanding of this God that we worship, by sincere worship, meaning pure worship, where it's focused on God, the person, the, his son, Jesus Christ, let us, this month, be surprised by joy.
So with that message, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, or you are being prompted, I certainly encourage you to, um, you know, come talk to me. <clears throat> talk to any of our staff member. The first step in following Jesus Christ is to act and, and to be able to talk and ask your questions. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of good news, of great joy. But, you know, God, sometimes us Christians, I think we come off as uh, people of bad news, of great gloom. God, when that great joy is um, deep in our heart because of our focus on you, it will radiate out. So, help us, Lord, to cultivate some of these um, qualities that we saw in this text. So that first will be sincere um, as followers of you. But that it will also be life-giving to those around us. So God, we celebrate and worship this great God that we have reason to sing and have great, happy, loud, boisterous uh, expressions of great joy. But for those who um, perhaps uh, feel lost during this season, may we provide space for them to find this joy like we heard Don and Polly talk about while it was painful at the time. They kept their focus on you, God, And in due time, the tears started to diminish and they could see their way. So thank you, Father. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.